Faith Builders Church, good morning. It's so good for you to see me today. I wish that I could see you, but in my heart, you're right here. And I'm just excited for the day that we get to come back together and celebrate our Jesus and all that he's doing in this season because he still sits on the throne, amen? Good things are still happening, and I believe he's preparing his church for the greatest return we've ever seen. But I'm really excited to get back into the I Am series. I started on Easter Sunday, Jesus being the I Am, the resurrection in the life. And last week we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd. And I'm really excited about today's. It really light a fire in my spirit because I believe it's right where God wants the church today, um, especially faith builders. I believe we're getting positioned for something very special in this season. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're able, to quiet the area around you and get your notebook out and really tune your ears in. I know there's so many distractions, but if you could just give the Word of God uh, 25 minutes to just pour into your heart today, I believe that it's going to touch every one of us. Amen? So we're going to part, start part three today, and it's Jesus, I am the light of the world. And this is so exciting. And we're going to open up to John verse chapter 8, verse 12 this morning. And at this end of the story is where Jesus makes his first I am statement about being the light of the world. We're going to go back up in a minute and talk about the story and why he said that. But in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now just think about that. Jesus is the light of the world. And he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now let's take a look at this just a minute. Let's break it down. The word light actually in the Greek has many meanings, but I wrote down three of them that really kind of touched my heart. And one of them was pure. Jesus says, I am the light. I am pure. That light means brilliant. And it also means uh, delicate. And I really love that perception of Jesus because we know he came with a fierce um, agenda to lay his life down on the cross, and he's going to come back again in Revelations as a mighty warrior. But in this moment, he's saying, I'm coming with my softness and with my gentleness and with my kindness. And he said, I am the light, and whoever walks with me does not walk in darkness. Now, if you look up that word darkness, I was really blown away about that meaning. And it means this, and it sounds kind of weird, and I'll help you understand it, but it means this, darkness means this, the darkness due to the want of light. Now think about it. It's dark due to the want of light. And as I begin to look at that and ponder over it, I realize that darkness wants the light. And it made me think of people who do not have Jesus or maybe the areas of our life where we're walking in our, in our sin nature. We're walking in those hidden sins that we've really not given over to Jesus Christ yet. And this world, and on the inside of us, the darkness is saying, I need light. The darkness is longing for truth and purity and light. And what happens is, the Bible says that Jesus is the light. So if the world, or us as Christians, don't pull on the light of Jesus, we're looking for other things in the world that may bring light, like people turn to crystals, people turn to the nature, people turn to other things, and those are God's creations. There's nothing wrong with those creations, but those kind of things are not the light of Jesus that comes into the darkness, drives out and exposes darkness, and gives hope. 
So as the world or religion is going to other things, it's not driving out darkness because the only thing that can remove our sin nature, the only thing that can set us free, heal us and deliver us is the light of Jesus. And because there's no light, there's darkness. And that's why God has called us as the church. We need to learn who Jesus is as the light so that we can be a light to the dark world. So I want to break down this story here just a little bit, and I'm excited to get to the end, so I'm really going to try to contain myself today. But we're going to go back to the story why Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Well, the first point that I have this morning is the law reveals our guilt. I want you to write that down. The law reveals our guilt. And this story is in John chapter 8, and we've probably heard this story before, but we're going to dissect it and see how Jesus truly is the light of the world. And in verse 2, it says this, At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now think about this just a minute. It wasn't a woman who had adultery right? It wasn't the secret sin being exposed. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Can you imagine the shame, the embarrassment? We don't, we don't know if maybe she showed up without clothes on. The Bible isn't real specific, but here she was thrown before Jesus and thrown by her accusers. I can't imagine the humiliation she must have been facing. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, everybody say in the law. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, listen, they're trying to trap Jesus. The law says we're to kill her and stone her, according to Moses. But they're asking Jesus, what do you say, Jesus? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, I don't even believe they cared about this woman. I don't think they cared the least how she felt or what she was experiencing or even that she was maybe having adultery. They were using this woman to bring accusation against Jesus. And here's Jesus. His assignment here on earth is to point to the Father, point the road of forgiveness of sins and the love of God, the grace of God that he was about to bring. So they put him in this position, and what was Jesus going to do about it? If Jesus agreed that, yeah, the law says she should be stoned, then his reputation would not be loving, right? Well, Jesus, we have to stone her, and so Jesus stoned her, so he loses reputation of his mission. But if he forgave her, he was condoning adultery, and that was breaking the law. But Jesus, right, is the one who always makes a way. Jesus was showing his love, his grace for the very first time. And so as you see here, the law reveals our guilt, our shame, and our sin. Now, Jesus came according to the word, and what did he do? He fulfilled the law. He hadn't done it yet here in the story, but he was showing the example that it's not going to be by the law you're going to come any longer, right? It's going to be through my forgiveness. But what is so important here is we have to see is that we have to confront ourselves as sinners. See, it's, it's not by the law anymore, but when you come to Jesus, now I'm dealt with my conviction, and my sin. See, we have to be willing to face the sin nature, confront our guilt, confront our shame, confront our bad behavior, 
or maybe be willing to even confront the pain and the brokenness that only Jesus can fill. So as she's standing before this man that is going to be her savior eventually, she needs to find the forgiveness of her sins. And listen, unless we see ourselves as sinners, we will never see our need for a savior. It isn't that we live by our sin nature. It isn't that I walk under condemnation. But when you're standing before the light, the light's job is what it does automatically is drives out the darkness. So God doesn't want the hidden things going on in our life. He wants to drive that out. And he's wanting you to confront the sin so that you see that you are in need of a savior. And what he does for this woman at the very end is so awesome. And that's why I want you to hang on and really hear this story. My second part of this point this morning is this. The love of God, of Jesus, reveals God's grace, or I would say forgiveness. So I want us to go down to the next part of that verse after these men had just accused this woman before Jesus. And it says this, but Jesus, while they're accusing her, bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Isn't Jesus so cool? I love how he does stuff. And if you study out that right on the ground, it actually means this Greek word and it's catagraphian. And if you translate the two parts of that words, it's a two-part meaning that says this, to write down and have a record against someone. And Jesus, as they were accusing her, began to write down what? The accusations against these men. Jesus says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? So as they're accusing, Jesus just bends down and he begins to write with his finger, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter, and this is after Jesus has died on the cross, resurrected, and now we have the, the gospel of salvation. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it describes what love is. And we know that according to the Bible, God is love. And it goes on to say in that verse 11 that love keeps no record of wrong. So when you come into Jesus... Even though he's writing that record down to those of the accusers, when you confront Jesus, he says, I don't keep record of that wrong anymore because my light exposes that darkness. And when you continue to walk with me, you will walk in the light. Isn't God good? So now let's go down to verse 7, and it says this. When they kept on questioning him, here's Jesus writing their sins. They think in past manuscripts that that's what he was writing. They're so busy accusing, accusing, and attacking Jesus, doesn't say what they were saying exactly, that Jesus was writing every one of their sins down. And as they were barraging him and, and really attacking him in verse 7, it says this, he straightened up, he stood up, and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone to her. And I can imagine that maybe he just stepped back and he said, let any of you without sin, pointing out what he had been writing on the ground that maybe they missed, let you throw the first stone. See, God, Jesus, will always come against the accuser because what? The accuser is always trying to accuse you against God. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You don't deserve forgiveness. This is the voice of the enemy, right? But Jesus said, hey, you without sin cast the first stone. This is showing the love, the forgiveness, and the grace of our Savior, let you without sin cast the first stone at her. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen, there's not one of us on earth that wasn't in need of a Savior. 
All of us have sinned, and that means all of us are in need of a Savior. Amen? Now let's keep going and find out how Jesus continues to deal and present his love to this woman. In verse 8, it says this, these men that were throwing the stones. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At these, at this, those who heard begin to be convicted by their conscience. So as Jesus continued to write, they began to recognize their own sin nature and began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left and the woman was standing there. Jesus straightened her up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she looked around and she said, no, sir. She said, neither. And then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Listen, this is the grace of the message of Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins. When we stand before him, he convicts us of our sins because we need to be convicted so we know we need the Savior. And then afterwards, he says, I don't condemn you anymore. There's no more shame. There's no more guilt. You're not bound to the labels that other people put on you. You aren't what your experiences have said in the past. You're not, you're broken, you're your you're shame. You are condemned no longer. Listen, the only one who can accuse you is the enemy. In Revelation 12, it says he is the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus said that I've given you life and I've given you more abundantly. Amen. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but we don't stop there. And this is where I think we're missing it in the church as, as believers. We're coming to Jesus and we're like, I've got grace and I'm forgiven. And that's awesome. But listen, that's not the end of this story. We're not condemned, but Jesus had another word for her. He wasn't finished. And he said in 11, the last part of that verse, Jesus declared, go now. Everybody say now. Now, now, now. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is powerful. Jesus used this word and he said, go now. Now is the time of your salvation. Now is the time to be free. When the light of Jesus comes in and he, he, we receive that forgiveness, he's saying, go now and walk in sin no longer. He says, I don't want you to struggle anymore. Sometimes I think we feel like, we feel like Jesus would say because of the grace, well, he understands what I'm going through. Mom did it. Dad always did it. So I'm just trying to find my way. You know, I'm just trying to be better. Jesus didn't say, go try and be better. He said, go now and sin no more. See, God wants our sin to be put under the blood of Jesus. And he said in the earlier verse, let's walk in the light. And when we're walking with Jesus and this relationship with him, the light is driving out darkness and I am not bound by the sins of my past. I am set free, right? We don't have to live a secret life of sin anymore. No, I didn't just fall into sin. I have the light of Jesus that has driven that sin nature out of me. I don't have to be bound by drug addiction and alcoholism. I don't have to be in adultery anymore. I don't have to be in, in fornication, right? I don't have to have these feelings of shame and, and not liking myself and, and mental um, trials that I'm going through and self-hatred. Why? Because when I'm in the light, it's driving out the darkness. He says, go and sin no more. When the light shows up, darkness flees. 
We have to press into Jesus. If I'm struggling with my sin nature, I'm going to press into Jesus. If I want to go and have adultery, I'm going to press into Jesus. I don't have to live by my sin nature anymore because we have the light of Jesus that is driving that darkness out. And it is important because of what God wants to do in the world today. The Christians cannot look like the world. We have to stand up and be who Jesus says that we are, a light in a dark world. Amen. And I'm I'm getting excited because I'm going to close with this incredible point this morning. Listen, when the light shows up, darkness flees. When the light shows up, darkness flees. If you are struggling in the dark areas of your life, you have to invite the light of Jesus in. Amen. Light always takes over darkness. You can be healed. You can be free of those things that you are struggling with. And at the end of this story is when Jesus came out and said, I am the light of of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk, it actually says never walk in darkness. As believers of Christ, it is our responsibility to walk with Jesus. And what I want you to see in this end of this story, which is something that I experienced, which is something I know God wants you to experience, that Jesus, in this story, was not the light of the world to this prostitute. Jesus was the light of the world to her. And that's what you have to experience. Coming to church and saying, well, Jesus is the light of the world, is not experiencing an encounter with Jesus. Making some cute little posts online is not allowing the light to drive out darkness. Those are great things, and we should be doing them, and I do them. But I'm talking about the church having an encounter with the light of Jesus that's going to drive out the sin nature. She knew Jesus face to face. Nobody else was around. around. She met her Savior. And you have to see that Jesus is not just the light of the world. He needs to be the light of your world, your Savior, your healer, your deliverer, your your God that can help you forgive and let go and be healed because that's the God we serve. Listen, when the light comes into your life, everything changes. Everything changes when the light shows up. When the light shows up, the darkness has no choice but to leave. There's no darkness on earth that is greater than the smallest candle. There's nothing that you struggle with that can be more powerful than when you meet the great I am, the life of Jesus. And he gives you hope. I want to close this morning with a story of, which we we know about him, is Paul's conversion to coming to Christ, Saul at the time, And in Acts chapter 26, verse 12, we find the story of he's on an assignment from the chief chief of priests. If you look at his his story, he was actually what I would call a modern-day ISIS. He was a killer of Christians. He hated Christians. He had a murdering spirit. He hated their God. He hated God. And yet on this journey that he was on to kill Christians, this is what happens in his life. A horrible man in Acts 26, verse 12. At midday, he's telling his story. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining around me. What happened? He was going on the journey of darkness, of his murdering spirit, and God met him on that road, and the light from heaven shined down upon his life. 
And in verse 16, after he had this encounter with God, he had a conversation with God, he was converted in his faith to serve God, and God told him, I will make you a witness. Now, I want you to get this. He had an encounter with the light. He had conversion. And God says, because of your conversion, I'm going to make you a witness. And you're going to tell of things that I'm showing you that you have seen. And I'm going to tell you to tell things that you haven't seen yet. It was an encounter that changed him. He didn't go on and be, it was the same. He was changed. And when a person is changed, they affect the world. Now, in verse 17 through 18, it says this. God said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles, which was the unsaved, to open their eyes so they may turn from their darkness to light. Now, look at Paul's conversion, and I'm going to show you here in just a minute. I'm going to turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Now, I have a, a little illustration I want to show you on the marker board this morning and how this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is how the church is supposed to be walking in today when we encounter the light. So I have, I'm going to make a circle here. Kind of good. And coming down, which our message today that Jesus, right? Jesus is the light. And when we have an encounter with the light, darkness has to flee. That means we come into a relationship with Jesus, right? It's not wavering. Darkness is being pushed out of my life. And then what happens? In, in this time that I encounter Jesus, let's say you encounter Jesus, there is a conversion, right? I'm changed. I'm not like I was before I met the light. I'm not full of anger and rage and lust and pornography and addictions. No, I've encountered the light. So I've been converted, right? And in that conversion now, I'm converted, I'm changed. Now Jesus said, now that you've met me, I've changed you. I'm calling you now to be a witness. A witness of what? I'm a witness to now be a light. I meet the light, I'm changed. Now he's saying you have to witness the things that you have experienced. Our witnessing means my testimony, my story, how you met the light, how the light changed you, how the light freed you. And when you have that witness, now you are being the light. And when you are the light, now you are going to reach the lost. Jesus said we need to be a light, a city that's set on a hill. Don't hide that light. Don't hide it under a bushel. Even when we were little kids, we, we learned that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And one of the verses used to say, hide it under a bush, shout, no, I'm going to let it shine. Remember? Why? Because I've encountered the light. I have to be a witness of it. And now I'm going to reach someone for Jesus. And what am I going to do? I'm going to bring that lost person because of my light. I'm going to show them the light of Jesus. And when they experience the light of Jesus, that person is convert, con, has conversion. They become a witness. They become a light, and they reach the loss. But at the same time, you've been be doing more and more and more and more. Then they become more. And, can you see how the world can be won 
to Jesus because one believer will say, I've met the light. <laughs> I've been convert, converted and transformed. And now I'm going to lead those that are lost to experience the great I am who is the light. Amen. Somebody say amen. This is where revival is going to take place. This is where when we come back together as a church, we are going to reach the lost for Jesus. We're not going to be consumers anymore. We are going to be distributors of who God's called us to be, light bearers for Jesus. And what I want to do right now is give everyone who may be watching an opportunity to receive the light. And maybe you're a casual Christian. Maybe you're a lukewarm Christian that has settled to allowing darkness inside of you and you need to let Jesus be the great I am, the great light on the inside of you. Or maybe you stumbled across this video and you just need darkness driven out and you don't understand why. You've tried many things that are trying to be a fulfillment to you and nothing can fulfill you. Nothing can drive out darkness but the pure light of the great I am. So I'm gonna ask you this morning to say a prayer with me and listen, this prayer is everything, and you mean it with all of your heart, but we need to meet you. We need to follow up with you. Fill out that form on the, the little memo there. Go to our website, fill out I Chose Jesus. We don't want to lose touch with you because we need to teach you your walk. We want to disciple you. We want to come alongside of you. But I also want you to say this prayer of faith together so that you can say, I'm in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior which we've all said this prayer at one time or other. So I want you to pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. I repent. I humble myself. And I receive the great I am, the light to drive out the darkness of my soul. I receive him by faith in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you could just give a praise right where you're at today, just thank Jesus. Listen, there are people applauding you. All of heaven is rejoicing right now. We celebrate your life of recommitment or just rededication or coming to Jesus for the first time. I love you so much. We're here for you. Faith Builders is here for you. I want you to hang on just a few minutes longer because we're going to close out with a celebration song. God bless you and we love you.